welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Colantonio. Our intention for The Behaviorist podcast is to share accessible, concrete practices that you can weave into your whole life to begin a shift toward joy and meaningful achievement. We're grateful to have Vanessa and Kedrin from the Work Wisdom team joining us today. Thank Hello. you. Hello. I mean, you've been here. <laughs> Thanks for coming today. Of course. So we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Why is it that we're hearing so much about imposter syndrome lately? I have an idea. Okay, go for it. I've been thinking about it because I have been hearing about it a lot. And so one thing we know about imposter syndrome, which is more accurately called imposter phenomena. Uh. But anyhow, so one thing that we know about it is that uh, it's triggered by transition. It's triggered when something is new. Um, And so Mm. with, you know, 50% of the population resigning from their jobs and going, you know, we all went home to work and now we're all going back to the office and there's just been so much transition Mm. I feel like there are a lot of people who are starting new things new chapters in their lives and so when there's something new that's often when we experience imposter phenomena okay I think what's interesting about that too is that as we were just talking about equity Mm -hmm. and as we start to see opportunities for women and black and brown BIPOC Mm. communities emerge into leadership roles as a response to equity. Mm. That's also a transition because they're in a space um, that maybe they've been desiring to be in, but hasn't been available. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how people's new commitment or refined commitment to equity is creating more transition, more opportunities. Oh my gosh. That's a really good point. We have to come back to that because that's another part of imposter syndrome is when we are in positions where uh, there's implicit bias that, yeah, well, we'll get into that, I'm sure. Yeah, well, I was going to ask, Okay. um, are there certain people prone to it or are there times where it's more common that it comes up than others? Yes, there are definitely certain people that are prone to it. So originally when imposter phenomena was written about by um, two psychologists, most notably Pauline Rose Clance in the 1970s, they originally thought it was just women that experienced imposter phenomena. And they were studying women at women's colleges who were having this real challenge with, you know, this persistent nagging thought that uh, they were undeserving of their achievements where they they just couldn't experience an internal sense of success they had this exaggerated self-doubt so originally they thought it was just women um (laughs) but then uh starting in the 90s they started realizing it it was it was uh pervasive in all the genders Uh, (laughs) yeah okay And underrepresented groups. So I think I read some things about how the LGBTQ community also really struggles with imposter phenomenon, Mm -hmm. aka syndrome. Mm -hmm. So that's also an interesting thing. Um, I think it's it's an interesting space to think about what are some of the symptoms that we see when we think about that experience or that phenomenon. Um, So I was looking up a few things and just trying to make sure because I know personally I grapple in this space sometimes of feeling like 
someone's going to figure it out one day (laughs) that I don't, maybe I shouldn't be here or Mm. I don't have what it takes Mm. um, to be in the seat. But I think it is this feeling of like um, you were lucky rather than being, you know, Mm. skilled, able, Mm -hmm. um, purposeful. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to think about who was impacted Mm -hmm. and think about like what that feeling is. Mm -hmm. You know, you're bringing up a great point. So Vanessa's a two on the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. I'm a one on the Enneagram. We know lots of Enneagram sixes Mm -hmm. that experience imposter syndrome. And so I've been wondering myself, and I've never read any research on it, (laughs) but I'm going to say it right here on the behaviorist. (laughs) Is it possible that those who are in the dependent stance experience higher rates of imposter syndrome than those who are in the aggressive slash assertive <laughs> or withdrawn mm. stance because you're really checking in with others oh yeah you're you're what do they think of me what do they think of what i just said and so we're putting the locus of control in someone else's hands mm-hmm. for our self-regard in the dependent stance right and then we have the what happens i know for a two is that 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 position pulls me closer to shame Mm. right Mm -hmm. so when you think about someone who's like i want to make sure that folks are you know engaged happy i'm meeting their needs Mm -hmm. and if i'm struggling with this narrative Mm -hmm. um and i'm looking for evidence of why this narrative is true once someone is upset with me or not feeling like i've supported them well that narrative just becomes more alive Mm mm-hmm so it's really interesting to think about it through an Enneagram perspective. Yeah. Yeah, maybe someone will research that someday. I would be curious about that. You know, back to your question, Sarah, about, you know, who experiences imposter syndrome? I think that we can, you know, we can definitely talk about is it is there something about gender? Is there something about stance? Is there something about underrepresented groups? I've been thinking a lot about... Do we see it more in cultures where there is implicit bias or do we see it more in uh, workplaces where uh, underrepresented people are are not in leadership? And so uh, that's something that I've definitely read about. How how do I recognize if I'm experiencing it? (laughs) What? is happening well we have this exaggerated sense of self-doubt so you know if i am receiving awards and promotions and raises and i keep on saying to myself oh gosh you know i'm so Mm -hmm. lucky Mm -hmm. or you know i I don't know why they picked me for Mm -hmm. this i guess they didn't have a very good pool of candidates Mm -hmm. you know if if i'm Mm -hmm. saying things like that uh that's a sign that maybe I'm experiencing um, imposter syndrome. Yeah, I think too, it's it's interesting to think a little bit about um, this idea of how do we take those moments, you know, I think it's a great, it's a great little warning sign. I was recently talking to actually my therapist and she said, the best advice she ever got from another therapist was saying, I can tell you a woman who's doing her work when she knows how to take a compliment. <laughs> and I thought it was I was like, well, fine. Um but I thought what Why, was great you. about that. Yeah. Thank you. Um is this idea of like, you know, this 
belief of belonging and worthiness mm-hmm. um, and that we can say, I worked hard for that promotion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. not trying to make it small or dismiss it like it's not a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's something that especially women do a lot of. Mm-hmm. We, I don't know if it's a place of struggling with humility or not wanting to not seem humble mm-hmm. that we don't um, know how to kind of acquire the confidence to mm-hmm. help as an anecdote to some mm. of those symptoms. I think the other thing is, is thinking like, you know, it's a secret, you know, that someone's going to figure something out mm-hmm. that, you know, your success, your abilities is kind of like, it's a hidden secret. Mm. Um, and you know, this other piece around how long-term it can really help our mental health decline and burnout increase mm-hmm. because we're constantly in this place of like, you know, we're not feeling good mm-hmm. about why we're doing what we're doing. Cause we're constantly in that story. Yeah. Yeah. That we're not worthy. Yeah. Worthiness feels like, you know, it's such an interesting thing because um, to your point, Kedron, if we're in a, in a dependent place, we're waiting for someone to provide us the key to open the door to worthiness mm-hmm. when we're the ones in the room. Mm-hmm. And we've got to open the door for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's really shifting that position. Yeah, who holds that key? Mm-hmm. That reminds me so much of the other day when Cory Booker. Oh. oh my goodness. Did you cry? Oh, Cory Booker s- said, You are worthy yeah. to Katanji. Oh my goodness. You are worthy. Oh yeah. Ugh, I'm going to start crying right now just <laughs> thinking about it. It was yeah. so beautiful. It, it was, was so beautiful and mm-hmm. it was true. And she knows it's true. Mm-hmm. And yeah yeah and yeah. he was so authentically honest in that exchange mm. that's what made it so beautiful mm-hmm. it yeah. wasn't for pomp and circumstance mm-hmm. it was bringing truth and light into that space mm-hmm. wow i wonder if she experiences imposter syndrome you, imagine. you know how could she <laughs> you know so one of the things that i've been reading about is when we are in cultures where we don't see people who look like mm-hmm. us in positions mm. of power it can contribute to us believing that we have imposter syndrome. So, uh, you know, having people of color in <laughs> in leadership positions will help uh, eventually uh, eliminate or ameliorate more imposter syndrome in the culture. I, I think it's more, I think I want to spend some time this year thinking about cultures of belonging mm. and do, do if we create cultures of belonging will we see less imposter syndrome at the individual level boom mm. really I, right I, so good yeah my next question was do certain types of workplace workplace cultures potentially foster imposter syndrome so maybe that's the answer Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I think, um, you know, we want to think about toxic cultures that value individualism and overwork. Um, I Hmm. I think that, you know, inclusive workplaces perhaps can ensure that women of color and LGBTQ and underrepresented people really thrive. Um, And so I, I think that is part of the part of the answer yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, i think the other part is making sure that we can get um healthy dialogue on teams and with teams because when i was thinking about this in terms of what has helped me in the moments that i struggle it's one it's recognizing that i have a narrative (laughs) that comes alive sometimes that makes me feel like they're gonna find out (laughs) someone's gonna know um or that i haven't done enough to earn my spot Mm -hmm. 
Um, and what I've realized is there's a few things is that I do believe that the stories that we tell ourselves are looking for evidence. And when they find evidence, those stories become more frequent. And, you know, what we know about our brains is the more we think about something, the easier it is to get to that information. Mm -hmm. So if your imposter story is on high rotation, Mm -hmm. that you're always going to go there. Mm -hmm. You're always going to go there. So I think the other thing about workplaces is like, how do you build community so that people help disrupt the the narrative? Mm -hmm. And help you to really celebrate and and feel good about those promotions and those opportunities um, as a strategy to help reframe the story that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. when we're struggling in that space of not feeling like I don't know I don't know when my luck's gonna run out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At some point it will. Um, I, yeah, I think that cultures that uh, reward perfectionism mm. are also cultures where we're gonna see more imposter syndrome. So you know. Uh, having exceedingly high expectations where we we don't uh, allow ourselves to ever make a mistake. You know, that I think that you're going to see more imposter syndrome in those kinds of cultures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No psychological safety. <laughs> Zero. Yeah. yeah, learning how to take the B. You know, I think in a culture teaching teaching people, especially young people, mm. when to take the B. When do you not have to go for the A+. Plus? <laughs> you know, not everything needs to be an A+. Plus. Um, recognizing perfectionism and not rewarding it. Um, also, I think, you know, when we're celebrating successes regularly, and not the end result, but the effort. Mm. So putting the attention on the effort in um, rather than the result. Because a lot of times you can't control the result. It might be something in the external environment or some client or who knows what. But you can control the effort Mm -hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I think, too, it's also about still saying yes to opportunities and doing some things Mm -hmm. afraid, right? Mm -hmm. So if that narrative is on high rotation and you're starting to talk yourself out of things – how do you put yourself in a position to say yes? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes <laughs> success is the best antidote <laughs> to <laughs> imposter syndrome yeah. um, and embracing the feeling. I think the other thing is that I, I'm curious. I, this has been my experience, especially with some colleagues, um, you know, especially women who, who I'm colleagues with. It's interesting that when I can call that out and say, I feel like there's a story that you're telling yourself here that's impeding your ability to show up you know, at your full potential, um, they think it's like all of a sudden someone pulled a curtain open and like it was their big secret. (laughs) And then realizing like, no, everybody, there's so many of us who are in the same place, Mm -hmm. right? But somehow that experience you think is only yours. You Mm -hmm. think you're the only one Mm -hmm. with that self-doubt and, you know, looking for that evidence. Um, But really you're not. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, part of the power of it is sharing that and saying, hey, sometimes I struggle with, you know, this story about maybe, maybe I'm not enough. Maybe I, I shouldn't be here. Maybe someone's going to figure that out. Um, and then they get to help call out that that's not really true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's part of that strategy. Yeah. I think reality testing is oh, so important well, yeah. with all of this. How do we get better at our reality testing mm-hmm. so that we're not uh, catastrophizing or sugarcoating, right. you know, and that we're using each other as sounding boards. Mm-hmm. We're using data. We're maybe chronicling when things have gone well um, to change the neuroplasticity yeah. upstairs. 
I, yeah, I want to back up because I was going to ask, what are some concrete practices we can adopt to disrupt imposter syndrome? So I think it's getting people to know that it happens to you. Yeah, and saying I need you know I I don't know if Kedron this was your line about like your personal board of directors, <laughs> but you need that group to say I'm really struggling with this project or this assignment because my imposter dialogue is really loud. Yeah, and you know I need some help, um, kind of getting it to quiet down. I'm also fascinated in terms of what are some ways to help is. I think, and it's, uh, what's his name? Sean Jenright wrote a book recently called The Four, I don't know, Four Perspectives, maybe. I'll get the right title. Um, and it's about equity work, but he talks about mirror work. And that the first you know thing that we can ever do when it comes to equity is to lift up the mirror and mm-hmm. look at ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also part of this work is... Yeah. You know, knowing what you know, what you're emotionally intelligently using in terms of high usage and low usage. So maybe mm-hmm. your reality testing is low usage, and in order to combat imposter syndrome, you've got to you've got to level that up. thing up, <laughs> right? Um, and then you know, know how to move on from it. And you know, what's your enneagram? So I think there's a place of learning that especially happens with work wisdom that we are teaching people to be curious about themselves Mm -hmm. um, and to look in that mirror Mm -hmm. so that I think that is one of the strategies of how do we deal with things like imposter syndrome it's the knowing Mm -hmm. and also knowing that like you're brilliant and powerful and you're Mm -hmm. doing good things in the world and a little self-doubt is okay mm-hmm. because there's a level of humility, but there's a level of curiosity that you want to have. I think the scariest person that I meet is the person who thinks they know everything. Yeah. And has all the confidence and it's like nothing bothers them and they're just off to the races. That person makes me nervous. Yeah, that's a different cognitive bias called the <laughs> Dunning Kruger effect, oh. where actually you have low abilities, but your bias is to think that you are super amazingly great. <laughs> oh my gosh, have we ever met someone like that? <laughs> yeah, we've never yeah. had any political <laughs> people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's never happened. But yeah, that's that's even more scary in some ways. So, so um, the good news about having imposter syndrome is that you don't, you can't have dunning-kruger effect yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have imposter yeah. syndrome so that's the good news yeah yeah i think a lot of it is exactly as vanessa is saying so much of it is emotional intelligence and how do we grow in self-knowledge how do we let that seep into our awareness how do we let that change our behavior mm-hmm. so that um we can become a more realistic and high-performing version mm-hmm. of ourselves. But definitely letting go of the perfectionism, learning to take the B, um, celebrating <laughs> the successes, you know, sharing our work in progress. Um, I, my grandmother had this phrase, which was, don't overneed the pie crust. You know, <laughs> so I don't know much about making pie crust, <laughs> but if you overneed it, it's no longer going to be flaky, Mm. all right? So you just want to squeeze the flour and the butter and the water together enough so that it holds together. But um, I think part of this is learning that it's okay to just not overneed the pie crust, Mm -hmm. Um, that things can be, um, they don't need to be over-functioned because that's, when we lose the magic, yeah. that's when we lose the flakiness yeah. of our pastry. I'm hungry. So, um, right. yeah, 
So she was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I get that. I think this idea of being kind to yourself, mm. you know, the kindness goes mm-hmm. a long way, mm-hmm. um, especially internally. Um, and then there's this other idea of like distinguishing the difference between humility and fear, mm. especially mm. when it comes to <laughs> imposter syndrome. So it's one thing to say, like, you know, I have humility about this. I um, acknowledge that my gifts come from a higher power, but I'm going to use them for good. You know, the, all the mm-hmm. things that we can think about, and there's probably more eloquent ways to talk about humility, but there is a difference between that and fear. Mm-hmm. And I think if we're living in fear, then imposter syndrome is doing its job. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder how do we create some cognition around there's a difference between me being, you know, living into my humility in a way that's healthy. Versus like, oh, am I not willing to do this because I'm afraid? Mm-hmm. And how do we discern between the two? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think fear has so much to do with it. Mm. And it can be really motivating. Um, I think thinking through self-regard, true self-regard, mm. and and thinking about uh, you know the fact that we can really move the needle on our self-regard when we are courageous but it has to be strategic mm. courage. So it has to be um, that we're being courageous about something that's really meaningful to us. Mm-hmm. So if I go get an MBA and it doesn't mean anything to me, but my parents think it's really important, my needle is not going to move mm-hmm. on my self-regard. Mm-hmm. If I think getting a short story published is mm-hmm. the c- coolest possible thing, <laughs> and I do that, that's going to move my needle. So I think I th- mm. think that there's something around imposter syndrome and really understanding what's going to move your needle mm-hmm. and being courageous mm-hmm. um, in in important ways. Kedra, when you talk about self regard, if there's so many different self awareness, when you think about self regard, if you had to distill it, what's the best definition? Mm. Um, I think it's more than confidence. I think it is growing to a place of comfort in being who we are. So Mm -hmm. having the awareness, but also, yeah, I know what my foibles are. (laughs) I also know how I'm amazing. Right. You know, so um, I'm I that I think is what self regard is. It's deep knowing of who we are and being good with it. Yeah. Um, I also think inner authority Mm. is very tied to self-regard and so inner authority is having these I just think of it as strong roots going down into the ground like I uh, deserve to be here I am solid Mm. Um, there is something inside of me that has power Mm -hmm. and um, and it's and it's all integrated together so I really like the practice of growing an inner authority by uh, inviting the disowned parts of yourself hmm. in for tea, welcoming them, <laughs> yeah. saying, hey, yeah. you know, geeky seventh grader with really bad hair. <laughs> Not that she was no, me. She yeah, was so but she was so cute. But inviting her in and saying, you know what, I'm only who I am today because 100%. of that hair, yeah. you know, yes. because yes. of that, yeah. because of that nerdiness, because of whatever, mm-hmm. sitting alone at the lunch table. Um, and so inviting all of these disowned parts of our identity in and welcoming them and honoring them and thanking them. And the more we do that, the more solid we become. And we're so strong. Um, and I think that, I think imposter syndrome has a hard time 
operating in, in a person yeah. yeah who who is that um welcoming to their yeah. disowned oh. parts of themselves i love it oh and that's yeah. so hard for the two of an enneagram <laughs> okay it's like this idea of you think you it, i think what's challenging is is that there are some folks who think about um you know that they in desiring something that they feel like they deserve that mm-hmm. that somehow is not is not humble mm. that it's selfish but i what i hear you saying it sounds like such a healthy mm. engagement with oneself to say no i get to invite all the parts in mm-hmm. and all the experiences are additive mm-hmm. because i get to celebrate you know who i am today and then i'll do that over and over again mm-hmm. throughout my life because mm-hmm. i'll be evolving but i'll always be having those tea parties mm-hmm. with myself yeah all the yeah. threads yeah yeah i definitely think so you know i think it would be really cool if we could get adam to play um the snoop dog oh. um award uh <laughs> speech where he says I'd like to thank myself for being so awesome, for showing up, for doing hard things. Do you know what I'm no, talking about? No, but I'm going to look it up. Oh, my oh, God. So I'm good. about a Snoop Dogg. All right. Adam is nodding. Okay. I think maybe we can add it in. Yeah, it's pretty good. Last but not least, I want to thank me. <laughs> I want to thank me for believing in me. I want to thank me for doing all this hard work. I want to thank me for having no days off. I want to thank me for for never quitting. I want to thank me for always being a giver and trying to give more than I receive. I want to thank me for trying to do more right than wrong. I want to thank me for just being me at all times. Snoop Dogg, you a bad (laughs) Thank you, I appreciate that. Oh, this is so helpful. I can just imagine somebody in their car listening to this podcast and getting that lift that you both just gave at the end there. Yeah, and how good, right? At the end of Women's History Month. Yeah. yeah. To say, you know what, April, we're coming in with all of our self-regard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're here to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're channeling our inner Beyonce. Yes. Oh. April. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. I would flip my hair if I had <laughs> long hair. Uh, I'm surely grateful to both of you for being part of this movement of helping world changers in the workplace enhance their individual and collective team performance. And also, thank you listeners for downloading The Behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom press and productions, ask questions, and give suggestions of topics you'd like us to explore in future episodes. Mm -hmm.